Welcome to the Open Door Cutting Room Floor Podcast, where we continue the conversation that started on Sunday to help you become more like Christ throughout the week. I'm your host, Clay Wright. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the Cutting Room Floor Podcast. It's uh, great to be here with you. I'm your host, Clay Wright, and I'm here with not Pastor Jim, not Pastor John Jacobs, who's unfortunately out today, but I'm here with Pastor Charlie. Charlie, it's great to have you back on the podcast. Yeah, my second time. Yeah, so your your first time we were doing a round table with mm-hmm. uh, all the campus pastors because there was live preaching, but um, it's so great to have you preaching live in Avon Lake. Yeah. Uh, and now, I know John Jacobs was preaching in Elyria and that got streamed to uh, the other campuses, but you got to have this like family moment in Avon Lake, which is so cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. so I I wanted to ask you on the front end. Because some people listening to the podcast, they won't they won't know what you preached about because yeah. uh, you you got to do something unique. And so, what did you preach about? Could you give us like a real sh- brief recap? Maybe give us like your bottom line, your yeah. take home truth, yeah. and then we'll we'll kind of get into how you landed on moving mm-hmm. in that direction after mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So uh, I preached on prayer and uh, just you know the importance of of prayer and what the, the role it plays in our life. How when we pray, God moves, and uh, that was my take home. Uh, when you pray, God moves, and uh, prayer brings heaven into history. It pulls down God's God's will, what God has predetermined to do. It brings that down into history, and so it was a really cool moment. I I, uh, I, I was in Second Kings nineteen mainly. Yeah, uh, the King Hezekiah and, and the story of Judah. And the Assyrian invasion, and so that that was a story, is a powerful story of prayer. It so. was, it was so fun listening. I, I remember, you got to a point where you were like, "Hey, we're going to get into the text that we're going to yeah. be in today." And I looked down, and I was like, "How long has it?" Because you you yeah. you did such a good job bringing in the context and setting the stage. Mm-hmm. And I loved um, because you know a lot of people. Uh, aren't that familiar with the history of Israel and the, and the story of the Old Testament. And mm-hmm. so that's one of the reasons why we wanted to get back into reading through the Old Testament in our daily devotions, yeah. which we're doing right now. Yeah, yeah you know, uh, when I was, <laughs> I was trying to figure out when I would have people stand. I was like, man, I gotta, <laughs> so I'm like, I'm doing all this scripture and we haven't mm-hmm. even stood to, to read the passage right. yet. But that's why I kind of called out the elephant in the room and just said, you know what, we'll get there, Nick. <laughs> just to hang tight. We'll be there in a second. So, yeah. 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 Uh, so, okay. So you're, you're preaching about prayer. You're preaching out of second Kings 19. How did you like, what journey did the Lord have you on that landed you there? Can you, can you bring us into that? You know, how did the sausage get made? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> this is something that <laughs> I think is pretty interesting for me anyways. You know, I, pastors use Google too, you know, sure. sometimes, sometimes it starts with like just seeing what other people say, like, what are some powerful stories of prayer in the Bible? And so that's kind of what started. I knew I wanted to talk about prayer and I knew I, I wanted to go through a narrative of, of seeing an, a narrative story of the Bible of a time when God um, moved because someone prayed. Yeah. And so there were a number of stories that I was reading through and kind of gaining, uh, collecting my thoughts. But this story just jumped out of the pages at me mm. because of the posture that Hezekiah took, because of how he prayed and uh, the faith he had. And so... Uh, also the, the, the history of Israel, especially during this time, it's just weird and funky and crazy. <laughs> uh, it's just, yeah, it's, 
It's just it really ever since David sins with Bathsheba, from then on in Israel's history, until the kingdoms are disbanded with the the exile, it's just crazy the stuff that happens. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It, it it rivals the the book of Judges because that's also but weird. But, I was just thinking about yeah. that, like you know, because you have that famous line in Judges where in those days there was no king in Israel yeah. and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Yeah. Do you think because you just reviewed the history, mm-hmm. is it? You know, it'd be an interesting conversation, maybe for a different podcast to think about. Was it worse for Israel when there was no king and mm. everyone did what was right in mm. their own eyes? Or when you had a wicked king leading them into idolatry and, and destruction? You know, it's a... Yeah, it, it's to me, it seems like it's worse with when they had the king. Because the, the Lord was... It seemed like there was reluctance with the Lord initially. Hmm. Um you know, he kept, you know, they kept pleading for a king, kept pleading. Yeah. And finally they said, fine, like, here's Saul, you know, and we saw how that, that all took place. <laughs> uh, but I'll say it's different with, with and we talked talk about the two kingdoms with, with Israel, the, the, the kingdom of Israel, it was really bad. I mean, there was, there weren't, it, it just went r- r- downhill real quick. Yeah. Judah had some, some godly kings throughout, scattered throughout that would bring the people back to, to the Lord, back into right standing with the Lord. So I, I think that there is, uh, there was some benefit there for for, sure. for Judah. Definitely not for Israel. Israel just went downhill like so fast, <laughs> and then the yeah. Assyrians just ravaged them. That was it. <laughs> so okay, so so you knew you. So then, how did you know that you wanted to talk about prayer? Did you, did yeah. we talk about that already? Yeah, no, no. no. So okay, that's, yeah. So as I've been thinking about all these ideas of Avon Lake, and, and as I'm the new guy, you know, on the scene, the new pastor. Uh, all these ideas are coming up. People have all these burdens and things they want to do. And I see all these needs in the community and wrestling with all these things. And, and there's just been this constant theme of, we need to be praying. If anything is going to happen, if we're going to see God move, it starts with us praying. Every move of God in, in church history has started with people praying. We think about the great awakenings, even in our country, uh, the revivals and great awakenings. It started with a group of people getting together and praying, crying out to God, um, and that's where like big moves of God happen hmm. because prayer, uh, it opens up something. God's invited us to pray because it actually moves, uh, heaven and moves him to act. And, uh, there's, there's portions of his will that I believe that he's, he's there anxious and he's ready to do it. He's ready. Sure. But he's invited us to play that role of, of, of praying so that that will comes down and he's, he's able to move. And so, yeah. As I was thinking about that, I was like, man, we need to be a, a praying church first and foremost. We need to be a church that's on our knees before the Lord, pleading with him to for for him to move mm-hmm. and inviting him to, to do something so that he gets the glory and gets yeah. the credit. And if that's the backbone of our church, it's amazing what I believe God's going to do through our campus. So, Yeah, I what, what's so cool to me about this is I remember right when... Well, it was right. It was not right after COVID started, but during COVID, mm-hmm. when we were meeting as a staff in those days, uh, th- there was an urgency about prayer mm-hmm. on, in, on, on mm-hmm. our church staff. Yeah. And especially from, it felt like Jason Russ, he was reading a book about prayer mm-hmm. and he was just getting wrecked by it. Yeah. And since then, I have sensed this sort of holy dissatisfaction with mm-hmm. where we're at with prayer as a church. And so it's, it's been cool Mm -hmm. to see 
things happen and people get kind of ticked off about it and then get moved into action, you know, where they're like, Hey, why aren't we doing this more? And then you see it popping up and you see people being faithful with it. And, and so it's, I, I just, I, I can see the Lord doing something. Uh, along those lines. And this to me was just the most recent iteration of that. So that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, um, I think it was, uh, Tony Evans, the, 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 the preacher I was listening to a sermon that he, he preached on prayer. And one of the things he said was, you know, the national anthem, when we go to a game has nothing to do with the game of baseball or basketball, whatever you're going to, uh, but it's something we do at the beginning and, and it's a, it's a somber moment, but it's really it has, it's, it has nothing to do with what's going on. We treat that we treat prayer like that often, where it's just kind of like the national anthem. We get it over with, and we move on to the main event. Right, and that's such a travesty in the church. Yeah. Prayer should be the main event, and and having that communion, that relationship with God, should go in tandem with our worship through song and being in the Word. It should all be that. All should be the main event, and they should be flowing together. Yeah, I love that. I I um when we preached about prayer when we were going through the book of Ephesians, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I remember in an, in a really fresh way getting struck by the privilege of prayer, which is kind of what you're talking Mm -hmm. about. Like it's, I mean, this is like the main, this Mm -hmm. is huge. Mm -hmm. Last night I was leading life group and uh, we were getting to the end and it was sort of like a lighthearted moment. And Mm -hmm. I turned, so I have two cats and I turned and I said to my cat, Jenny, would you like to close us in prayer? And, uh, it was just, it was like kind of a funny moment. Got a couple laughs, but you know, to me, it's just like, that's so ridiculous to ask a cat. No, you know, my cat, Mm Ginny, she glorifies Mm -hmm. God in other ways, but as human beings, we have the unique privilege in creation to glorify God by articulating Mm -hmm. and by, Mm -hmm. by, you know, um, reciprocating, mm-hmm. you know, Jenny can't pay attention to God. That's right. We can, we can be attentive to him and we can mm-hmm. sense his presence. Mm-hmm. And that, I, I don't know, I, as I've been like teaching foundations classes and thinking about the image of God and all these things, I'm yeah. like, Oh man, this is huge, huge. Mm-hmm. And yet so often we, in our, at our, at our worst moments, we can use prayer. It's just a transition, you yeah. know, oh, how are we going to close this meeting? Well, we'll just pray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How are we going to get from worship to the sermon? Oh, we'll just pl- pray yeah. in, you know, we'll turn yeah. off the lights. Um, yeah. Prayer transitions are not my favorite, but no, we don't have to get into that. It's not, it's not my, yeah. And our guys are great. Like yeah, they're, they're, I mean, that's no not doubt. what's going on no with, th- with for sure. them for sure. But at its, you know, if we take like a, like a critical lens, mm-hmm. like we can ask the question, are we, are we bringing the gravity to prayer that we, mm-hmm. that, that it deserves? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and I think not even not only the gravity, but the consistency, the 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 it has to be quality, but also quantity. You know, mm-hmm. how often is prayer apart? Are we ever having one prayer? You know, a really meaningful prayer, but it's just such a side piece that was short. Or yeah. is prayer how, how much through what we do as a church? Um, you know, is that does it have a front row seat? Does it have a does it have a main place at the table, or is mm-hmm. it just kind of that? Yeah, I thought, but. there at one time Gabe <clears throat> Sigmund, the the worship <clears throat> guy, even like he he was reading a book. I don't remember what it was, but there mm-hmm. was a line in it that this is this conversation is reminding me of. It said, um, mm-hmm. "If the if the Holy Spirit didn't show up to your worship service, would anybody notice?" And to me, what reminded me of that is the question: Do we need to pray? Like, mm-hmm. do we do we have a needfulness for prayer that yeah. we fostered? <clears throat> um, That's good. 
I, yeah, I've been, I've been challenged by that a lot. Yeah. Uh, because a lot of times it, I don't know that I've fostered mm -hmm. in myself mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. a, I cannot, I, I cannot mm -hmm. proceed in my day if I don't stop yeah. and spend time in prayer. Like I, I wish that that was more true mm -hmm. for me. Hmm. And even like I was, so I listened to a podcast called Theology in the Raw. Yeah. And uh, Preston Sprinkle, he's mm -hmm. the host of that podcast. Mm -hmm. He, I just listened to him talking about his quiet time. And he was kind of saying some of the same stuff that I just said, where he's like, yeah, you know, I, I struggle with this and I'm not, um, you know, I, he, he, he makes it more mm -hmm. just a part of his daily work and research rather than like taking several hours out of the yeah. morning to pray. Yeah. Um, hmm. yeah. So, so you, you said something earlier that also, um, is like a piece that I wanted to pick up from yeah. the sermon. You said you use the language that when we pray heaven, you know, it's where heaven intercepts history, but then you use the language that God moves mm -hmm. like prayer moves God in a sense. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's such interesting language because, classically right if we if we like put our theological caps on like classically a lot of people talked about god as like the unmoved mover right like god is like the first cause nothing can impact or change him yeah uh and you know maybe that's more greek philosophy than good christian theology right mm -hmm. you're borrowing from mm -hmm. plato and mm -hmm. those kind of guys and yet we have this we're confronted with this reality in scripture that prayer matters and yeah. prayer you know, in a sense does move God. Mm -hmm. So how did you, how, how do you resolve that tension mm -hmm. either in your sermon or just in yourself as you're thinking, mm -hmm. like how, how is it that God can be you know, in a sense sovereign and yet that our prayers really make an impact on what happens? Yeah. It's there's tension. Uh, you know, I think scripture has a lot of tension and I think some of it we can resolve and some of it we can't because we're not God. Sure. And we have to be okay with that tension. You know, I'm somebody that, that fully accepts and believes in God's sovereignty and his omniscience and his, his, you know, he's so removed and independent from, from creation. He, he is, he always has been, always will be. He just is. God is. And he, God is, like you said, immovable, all these things, but, yeah, we read passages, and you know, this is the passage jumped out to me in Second uh, Kings 19, verse 20. Partway down it says, uh, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, I have heard your prayer. I have heard your prayer. Uh, some translations say, because you have prayed. And Isaiah later on, Isaiah writes as well about it, and in, in Isaiah, and I, I'm, blank, I'm blanking on the, the passage, but Isaiah writes, and, and it's, he also says, when he quotes it, it says, because you have prayed. Mm. But I've heard your prayer, or because you have prayed, indicating that your prayer made a difference. Like, I heard your prayer, and therefore I'm going to move. And so it led me down this, this path of, of trying to piece that together. Um, also, in, in, in connection with with James uh, 5, uh, 16, 16b, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Uh, the, uh, the 
King James is the effectual prayer of a righteous man um, availeth much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And <clears throat> you can there's different ways to translate, but the idea is is the 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 effective prayer, meaning um, energized prayer, when we're crying out to God, it, it is powerful. It is effective. It 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 changes something. It changes reality. It impacts the world uh, of which we live and how how God interacts with it. So uh, there's different ways to categorize that, and and some of this is is our uh, attempt to understand God, and that mm-hmm. that's always hard. Yeah, we can't fully grasp God, and so we do the best we can. Um, one of the ways I heard it is that there's, um, God's will is, um, is there's, uh, parts of his will, which are, are determined. He's going to move and he does it. He just, God acts, God moves. And then there's parts of his will that he, he desires to, 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 to do something. And he's invited us to pray to, to kind of pull that down into heaven, into, into reality. Mm. And so we see those portions, now, as somebody who, again, loves, I lean so heavily on God's sovereignty, if God is sovereign over his will, is he also sovereign over the fact that our prayer plays a part in his, him acting out his will? Mm-hmm. So therefore, in a sense, yeah. he's sovereign over the fact that I'm going to pray. Therefore, me praying feeds into his sovereign will doing something. Sure. But my prayer played an active role in that happening. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it, yeah. It, it's, it's kind of, you can kind of get in a cycle with that. Mm-hmm. But all I know is this, and all I can boil it down to is this. When I pray, God hears my prayers and God takes into account what I pray. And, and, it, and it brings down what God has already predetermined to do, predetermined to do what he, how he wants to move. It brings down into reality and makes that part of history then. Yeah. And, and we see people cry out to God and then we see God move. And so also I think as Christians, we're guided by the spirit. So if I'm prompted by the spirit to pray and I pray for something, God is the, the spirit is God. Mm-hmm. So he is in a sense prompting me to pray for something that he is going to do. And yeah. so at the end of the day, yeah. he's, he's doing it and he's getting the credit. Amen. Yeah. In, in a, in a recent podcast, we were talking about, how the desire to pray is grace, yeah. right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's all just like in the same way that you're talking right now, it's all from him and to him and for him and mm-hmm. to his glory. And, and so it's, it's kind of a moot point and, and, you know, us theological guys, we like to yeah. deal with that. And I, I think maybe one of the ways that I've heard it best is, um, it, it was out of the mouth of John Piper mm. who, who's talked about this when he talks Johnny about Pipes. Yeah, I'm, Johnny <laughs> Pipes. He, he said, um, and I'm quoting him loosely, um, something to the effect of like God deigns to use prayer. Mm. And, and so like God, so it's like in his, in kind, kind of similar to what you're saying, mm-hmm. God in his sovereignty, he, he, he wraps up this is again John Piper's language. He wraps up our prayer into mm-hmm. his ordaining mm-hmm. of the universe and mm-hmm. of the order of things. Yeah, and that's you know, to me that brings it back to a point of gratitude. Like yeah. God, thank you for being the kind of God who wants to invite me into what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like so. So we could ask, you know, why did Hezekiah, you know, lay yeah. the letter before mm-hmm. the altar, and why mm-hmm. did he come to God in prayer? Well, on the one hand, he did it because it was the right thing to do because he was a, ma- a God-fearing man and because he wanted to lay mm. the fate of, you know, 
mm-hmm. of, of Judah before mm-hmm. the Lord. But, but in another sense, we could say he did it because God wanted to get the glory for saving Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's that's more of the flavor you get sometimes when you read like we just did the Exodus narrative and in the book of Exodus where where God is sort of at work in this interplay between Moses and Pharaoh and God's hardening Pharaoh's heart and you know God says I'm going to hey I'm going to I'm going to reveal my power so that they will know that I'm the Lord. Yes. And so mm-hmm. God's you know he's he's hmm. he's ordaining certain things to happen so that he can display his glory. Yeah which is wild. And so kind of here with Hezekiah, we get the other side of that coin, right? Mm -hmm. Where we're seeing it from the perspective of the man who goes before God and then God responds and acts. That's right. And so, so much of his perspective, right? From our Mm -hmm. perspective, we know this, when we cry out, God moves, but from God's perspective, it looks completely different because he's sovereign overall. And so we we can only view it from our perspective, but we try to understand from God's perspective, (laughs) which is fun dangerous sometimes yeah but that's why we love to talk about theology but at the end of the day we have to remember that we're human we can only view it from the human perspective and all i know is when i pray god moves and makes a difference absolutely i can hang my hat on that you know yeah 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 so there's another piece that i wanted to pick pick up from the sermon and it's i'm I'm trying to remember the context of this comment that you made Mm -hmm. but you you were talking about how um, like God doesn't need to be defended. Mm. Like God does not need us to come to his defense. Yeah. And so in, so the comment you made was we don't need to be defending with Jesus. We need to be standing for Jesus. That's right. And I wondered, could you get, could you recall the context yeah. of that and yeah. t- talk to us more about what do you mean by, cause it was like, you, you didn't blow by that comment, but it wasn't like a, you didn't sit in it for yeah. like 15 minutes. Yeah. But it was so much there to unpack. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't the main point. Of my, that was again, one of those things that's great right. for the cutting room floor. Oh yeah. Cause that wasn't the focus of my message. It could be, it, I mean, it's a great sermon topic. As Christians. So often we get offended by the world, what mm. the world throws it at, at us. We get offended because it's how it's insulting. You took the Lord's name in vain. Wow. It's insulting that you said this about God. You call like, how dare you say that God can't be good because of evil in the world? And we get offended uh, for God. And we're not called to be offended for God. Um, we're called to take a stand, right? We're called, called to take a stand, uh, but we're not called to be offended to, to get to get ourselves, our feelings hurt on God's behalf. God's bigger than that. The world's going to act a certain way. They're going to act like the world. We can't fault them for that. Sure. And God's not God's not saying, "Oh wow, I'm offended." He doesn't give those people that much power to offend Him. Um, now God won't be mocked. God, God, you know, stands for his righteousness and all these things. Mm -hmm. And and ultimately the final judgment is the final judgment for those things. Yeah. It it came from the idea that when, when Sennacherib, the King of Assyria came and was first, he was trying to manipulate Hezekiah and Judah into just giving into them so that they didn't have to attack. Right. He, he was, uh, first he was attacking, Hezekiah and all these things, but then he, he begins to attack God himself and calls God a liar. He says, first he says, God sent me here to destroy you. And then he goes, well, actually God's a liar. He's not going to deliver you. He says he's going to deliver you. Like you can't trust God. Like he starts bashing on God mm. and there's something <laughs> I, within yeah. me that, that wells up. Like, how dare you bash God? Like, yeah. don't you know that God's good? Like, Oh, and we get so worked up. Like, ah, like I'm just fired up. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, and, and God's like, listen, like Sennacherib's going to get what's coming to him. You don't have to defend me to the point because I'm offended. 
when we defend the faith, when we do a, when we're, when we're apologetics, it's to be persuasive. Mm -hmm. It's to show people the way, right? That's why we're, that's why we defend. That's why we take a stand. We take a stand for Christ because we want to stand out as different, that, that God offers something different. When we get offended, it's not winsome. When I'm offended by something, I'm, if I'm offended by you, Clay, that you said something to me, I'm not going to win you over to my side because you offended me. Oh, wow, well, you offended me. My, my feelings are right, right, right. I'm all worked up. You're not going to be like, wow, I'm going to go. Be, I want to be with that guy. Like, yeah, that guy. Like, I want to be with him. Yeah. But when I take a stand for something and you see that I'm a man of conviction and I'm taking a stand for the gospel and for God, there's there's a difference there. Yeah. We're called to be people who take stands, who defend the faith with apologetics, to be winsome, to be people who are engaging, not, oh, I'm, I'm so worked up. How dare they say that? I'm going to, I'm going to post this on Facebook. I'm going to comment. How dare you say this? About, like, that's yeah, not true man. at all. And, and we get, we, it's almost like we're pretending to be God and we're all offended. So we got to defend God himself. And God's like, listen, like, I know your heart's pure, but just chill. I, it's okay. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, so. it's, well, it's so interesting. Cause like. So growing up, I can remember, and maybe this relates, maybe it doesn't. So you can tell me, I'm just interested what you think about it. Mm -hmm. Growing up, you would always hear, so like, we would hear these stories about people who are like praised as like people who were really like mm -hmm. taking a stand. And it'd be like, at, at your workplace, you have people who are like taking the Lord's name in vain. Yeah. And so like, you know, someone will use, use the name yeah. Jesus as a part of a, yeah. you know, you know, use it in vain. Mm -hmm. And then like mm -hmm. in response, you say Lord and savior, mm. you know, and, and like the, those people were like hailed as like, you are holding the line. And and so it's like, and, yes. and I feel like, so that yes. was like, that was maybe even before mm -hmm. kind of like culture warring and Facebook became a really big deal. Mm -hmm. And now I feel like that's mm -hmm. just, just exploded, uh, where, we feel the need to like get in, get a word in edgewise. And it, so, so is that impulse, is that like, how do you cut the difference between standing for Jesus versus mm. defending Jesus in those kinds of like real yeah. world examples? You know, is that, should we hail that person? You know, yeah, man, she's, she's standing up for the faith. Or is that really coming out of a place of I'm, I'm offended in the place of God mm. and I'm trying to defend God when, when really, uh, we're, we're sort of like driving a wedge. Yeah, yeah you're right. Uh, the, an another flip side to the story is the number of times people knowing that I'm a pastor or knowing that I've been a Christian for a long time, they'll like, I'm working with them and they'll start cussing. And then they realize I'm there and like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm just so sorry. Oh, I, I got to clean up my, I'm so sorry. And it's like, man, I, I cannot, I should not, ex I can't expect you to live a certain way. You can't, you're not going to be Christ-like because mm -hmm. Christ is not living in you. I can't, uh, it's, and it doesn't offend me. Sure. I should not be offended by um, the world acting like the world. Now, personally, there are certain things like if I'm around something that's just vulgar or things, it's just, it's not my favorite. So I'm not going to entertain those types of things. Right. Sure. But, but I'm not going to go around bashing on somebody because I use the Lord's name in vain or, or like, how dare you? Because what happens is that quickly falls into behavior modification mm. before heart transformation. Yeah. And we can't behavior modificate somebody into heaven. Yeah. And at the end of the day, that's how we get people that say, Lord, Lord, I did all these things in your name. I, I didn't cuss. I stopped doing all these things. Like I, you know, I, I stopped watching, you know, listening to dirty music and, and watching bad stuff on TV. And, and, and God's like, I, I never knew you. Mm -hmm. Right. Like depart from me. I never knew you. And, and that verse always is like, 
in the back of my mind saying, Lord, Lord, please, I, I beg you if anything, I never want to be somebody who gives someone a false hope because of a behavior modification. Yeah. So for me, taking a stand is more of <clears throat> being willing to stand out as different as the world shifts. So it's often it's not us making a move, although sometimes it's often us just standing still. Mm. It's saying marriage is between one man and one woman, right? And and as marriages are falling apart and divorce numbers are rampant, we're standing firm. Marriage is between one man and one woman. As as we see the the breakdown of the family, as we see transgender issues, as we see gay marriage and all these things, just the culture throwing everything, we're still, we, we haven't, we've been a pillar. We've been yeah. a pillar of the faith that hasn't moved because we're rooted in God's word. That's what to me is more of a taking of a stand. And we look more and more different because the world is shifting farther and farther away. Yeah. And so we're going to look more and more different. Sure. We're, we've been rooted all along. To me, that that's far more worthy versus like, hey, don't you say that word? Like, like, don't you say, you know, you know, yeah, Jesus, you know, yeah. Oh, father and Holy spirit. Amen. You know, and, <laughs> and it's just, we, we're not relevant and it, it, it turns people off and, and yeah, I would never want to be somebody who doesn't, it tries to be holy or tries to be, tries to be religious so much that I no longer look like Jesus did when he was on earth. Mm. Who did Jesus hang out with? Like, do you think he was going around saying, don't you say that to me? Like, don't you know I'm a rabbi? Don't you know I'm the son of God? Like, you can't talk like that. Like, man, he was sitting with sinners. Right. He, and he was, then, well, know. and what's funny, the people who he was saying that kind of stuff to mm-hmm. were the the religious people. Well, you yeah, know, who, exactly. Because he was calling them on their bluff, right? He yeah, was like saying, yeah. like, you, you buy into this, you're not living it out. Right. right? So, so, okay. So, but here, here's where I think. I think there's a, there's another side of the coin though, because I think, I I think mm-hmm. between the time when I was maybe 12 and yeah. now, which I won't say how long that is. Cause it's, it's longer than 10 years. It's 13 years. Um, <laughs> but I, I do think that there's been a shift mm-hmm. in society with respect to the, the amount of reverence and respect that the general public gives toward Oh yeah. Sort of like religious Mm -hmm. language Mm -hmm. or the idea of like a religious space. You know, when I was younger, it, it seemed, it seemed like even people who weren't Christians had respect for the, you know, things that were holy in in a sense. Yeah. A form Um, of godliness of some sort or, or Christian culture. Like, yeah, it was almost, it was like Andy Griffith. Have you ever seen the Andy Griffith show? I pieces. so the Andy Griffith show is interesting because everyone goes to church, right? Everyone on the show is oh, you know, pastor, great message. And they they show scenes from it. Everyone in the, in in the town is a quote unquote Christian, mm. but how many people are actually believers? Right? They're they're part of this greater Christian culture. Sure. And so you're right. That was the norm. Like, mm-hmm. like understanding we don't take the Lord's name in vain. Understanding that you know we live certain things. There's certain moral compass there was a moral compass that was more this was c.s lewis uses that that terminology it was more um consistent across the culture and we even see that difference in like 10 years ago like you said yeah i'll say this though it excites me for the years of the church ahead Mm. because to me it was a dangerous time for the church when we could become lukewarm and just mirror the culture because the work was easy now, when we stand out as different because, the, like I said, the culture is shifting away from that. 
now we're going to shine brighter and and the light's going to when the darker gets darkness gets darker the light shines brighter and so we have a privilege to be able to take a stand in those times and and be different and maybe you're not correct maybe i'm not correcting you you as in someone who cusses i don't think you cuss up a storm maybe you do in your private time (laughs) maybe i'm not correcting somebody hey don't you say that that's offensive but they're not but they're also noticing that i'm not saying that right right um maybe i'm i'm not you know correcting them about the dirty jokes or whatever it is but they notice i'm i'm not the one doing those as much right um because I'm taking a personal stand in my mm-hmm. conviction, how I act. Yeah. And they, and they, and they yeah. see that, you know? Yeah. And I think, so the other thing I'm processing is where is the appropriate place for zeal? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, I don't want to answer my own question, but like when we see Jesus f- turning the tables, cause I think that's what a lot of people are channeling on Facebook. Cause mm-hmm. they're like, man, dude, what, we got to turn these tables. We got to, mm-hmm. you like, I have to fight. Mm-hmm. I have to step mm-hmm. in. When again, he's he's turning the tables in in the places of worship. Yeah, he's he's sitting at the tables where the sinners are, and I feel like a lot of times we have it flipped where we're sitting at the tables in the religious establishments where maybe there needs to be some upturning, mm. and we're f- trying to flip the tables of the sinners. That's true. <laughs> here's another here's another thought too. This came to mind. How many times did Jesus flip tables? Uh. Probably once. Probably once that we see recorded. Yeah, maybe yeah, more. yeah. Probably once. Mm-hmm. I think maybe we need to rethink sometimes what are the main issues that we're willing to flip tables on? Because yeah, so yeah, often yeah, yeah. it's like every issue becomes a table flipping issue. Mm-hmm. And we look at like Christ, when he was on earth, he saw a lot of sin. He saw a lot of, um, a lot of hypocrites, right? He saw a lot of religious people that were far from God and not living the way they should. Yet one time recorded, one particular story recorded, we see him flipping tables. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we feel like we have to be zealous about everything and flipping tables all the time about every issue. Yeah. And maybe it's worth thinking about what's the issue God's called you to take a stand on firmly. Right. And, and do that. But, but don't feel like you have to flip flip tables for everything. It's just. (laughs) For for some reason, when you asked how many times I got taken back to a gospels class mm-hmm. where we were talking about different chronologies that people trace from the gospels. Yeah. And I was like, is this a trick question? <laughs> I was like, cause I think, I think there's some people who think that happened twice. Yeah. Uh, but once for the sake of argument. Yeah. I, I mean, okay. We could, <laughs> I, know, I just, <laughs> even if it was twice, I mean, still, yeah, right. but, but yeah, it's likely once, but. But still, it's interesting. And I think so. So this whole conversation, the reason why I love it so much is Mm -hmm. because it's raising the awareness of just like you're saying, there's a darkness that's moving in in a in a deep way. And it's not that the world is getting worse, you know, because because I think, you know, I don't I don't want to go there there. But where we are going is from a Christendom culture to a post Christendom culture. And that that may not be familiar language to everybody. Um, Christendom is exactly what we were talking about with the Andy Griffith show. It's like, you know, Christianity and a moral compass that's roughly attuned to scripture. That's Mm -hmm. just kind of in the air. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, Christianity has moved in and set up shop. Everything else feels like an alternative option. And there are still alternative options, but really we're living in a Christian culture. 
Um, or, you know, and there's pros and cons to that kind of thing, right? You know, yeah. in the Crusades, that was a part of Christendom. That was not, you know, that was right. not great expression of a Christian right. And culture. there are a lot of people that are, are, it's hard to know where they are with the Lord because mm-hmm. there's no cost. Yes, yeah. And, and there's, there's no, you're not going against any grain. You're, you're going to, you're with every, you're going with the grain. And so there's no, so it's always, it was in those kind of cultures, it's hard to know someone if someone's following the lord or if they're really bought in or yeah. what, what that looks like yeah because it, they don't know right and yeah. and and especially it can be hard because you sort of get a little bit of clout for being mm-hmm. a christian mm-hmm. you know it, I mean, like there's yeah. a reason there were so many presidents who claimed yeah to be christians yeah. it was a part of social status in america for a mm-hmm. long time mm-hmm. and as we move into post-christendom that's starting all those things are changing mm-hmm. right where christianity is not viewed as a viable alternative yeah. or it's or it's viewed on a level playing field as mm-hmm. other alternatives mm-hmm. or you know actually there's some there's some cost socially to being a christian mm-hmm. and uh and um you know maybe you're viewed as um someone who's not a serious intellectual mm-hmm. if you're a christian mm-hmm. so on and so forth and so we're and that's going to require a lot of like different things from the mm-hmm. church. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, that's not something that we should be afraid of. Yeah. Can I, can I, can I add something to that? Yeah, please so do. This is an interesting thought. Um, so my favorite book, one of my absolute favorite books, I still to this day, it's called the insanity of God. Okay. And, uh, I would recommend it 10 out of 10 to anybody to read, um, story. It, it, this, this guy, he travels all around, um, the world, he was a, he was a, he was a missionary in Somalia and he travels all over the world and, um, or he's in Somalia and he, 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 the only Christians he knows are, are killed. And so he, he goes on this journey where he travels to, um, the, the, uh, old Soviet block of, of the, the, the countries that were under the Soviet uh, leadership. He travels to the Middle East and he travels to China. He's meeting with Christians, seeing how they handle persecution. Mm powerful story and and the the writer's name it's 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 written by nick ripkin but that's not his real name because a lot of these stories he has to keep hidden uh there's this one part of the book where he goes to china and he's he's shoved in the back of this car and taken winding through the mountains of china and ends up at this farm where this underground church is meeting and um he meets with all these Christian, they're all Christian pastors who had come together because they knew this guy was going to come to talk, to get to know things about the, the, the Chinese church. And these are all underground churches and he's, he's meeting with them and he begins telling them about, um, the American church. And he begins telling them about, um, what worship looks like, how we're not persecuted. Um, some of the lukewarm tendencies. And he's kind of explaining, and he has a great dialogue with them. And, um, He's awoken the next morning, early in the morning, if I get the story right, I might butcher it, but to wailing and crying. Mm-hmm. And he goes out and all of these, these, these leaders are crying to the Lord, just crying out. He's like, what happened? What is going on? And he finds one of the translators and he says, what's going on? He says, they've been crying out all night about the American church, pleading with God for persecution. Because their heart was broken that they that there's no cost to your Christianity, and it it was such a huge moment for me 
because, and for him, like he's beginning to realize I shouldn't be praying that persecution ends. I should be praying for persecution because if you want to sort through that, that lukewarm Christendom, persecution brings true believers and churches grow when there's persecution. And so in a way we should be inviting that because when the darkness of persecution is, is darker, the light shines brighter and it's just changed my whole trajectory of that. And we're really on a rabbit trail now, but Oh no, it's, I mean, yeah, this is, it's a, it was a powerful moment for me. Yeah. 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 And that, I mean, how, I mean, you want to talk about counterculture. Yeah. You want to talk about standing still when everything's going in one direction. That's right. In, in a world where like, mm-hmm. man, Tylenol and, Advil and social media. Like, I mean, everything is designed as a eject button from pain, Mm -hmm. everything Mm -hmm. or, or, um, a release button for pleasure. Yeah. Like that's all it's Mm -hmm. like, how can we avoid Mm -hmm. pain as much as possible relationally, emotionally, physically Mm -hmm. how can we and then how can we live as long as possible Mm -hmm. and experience as much pleasure as possible Mm -hmm. and you you introduce into that people who are like hey um like i'm i'm willing to die and i'm willing to give up pleasure and i'm willing to endure pain Mm -hmm. and that's why fasting is so backwards Mm -hmm. and why maybe we have a really poor relationship with fasting mm-hmm. in a lot of ways as Protestants. Mm-hmm. It's like we, yeah. you know, fasting, you're introducing pain and, yeah. and needfulness mm-hmm. that that's intended to drive you back to your that's needfulness right. of God. Um, mm-hmm. but it's like good. it's Lent and like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not fat. I'm yeah. not fasting, yeah. you know, even though yeah. this is the, this is traditionally the season for it. Yeah. And so man, mm. it's good stuff, man. Mm. And, and I think maybe to bring it full circle in some ways, you know, earlier we were talking about, do we need prayer? Mm-hmm. Like, are we living in a way that we need prayer or are we developing a yeah. need, need of prayer? It's like Hezekiah didn't wake up thinking, you know, I want to develop a needfulness for prayer. Like prayer was, I mean, he, that they were at the ropes, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, uh, but he had a culture of prayer. He had, he had a, a pattern of prayer in his life. <clears throat> So when, when it got tough, when he was faced with crisis, he already had that, that, that culture established in his own heart that he knew yeah. where to turn. Right. You know? And, and maybe we could take a oh man, this, this comment could launch us into a whole different podcast, but you could take it one step further and say that the people who weren't living with a developed needfulness of prayer, mm-hmm. when that moment comes, they just deconstruct or yeah. they just, they just mm-hmm. bail. Like yeah. they don't even go to the temple at that point because, mm. because they don't believe it'll work. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> you know, it's, you're like, right. it's like, yeah, you're man, right. it's, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. it's true. It's crazy. Yeah. But, um, su- suffice it to say, like, as we're, as we're getting more and more into like a post-Christian moment in America, mm-hmm. um, prayer and being a church of prayer and being a people of prayer is, I mean, it's always important, but it's going to become that much more Mm -hmm. countercultural and that much more, Mm -hmm. you know, bright and, you know, as it were, for sure. uh, Which is, which is wonderful. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, one thought I was thinking about the difference. I was one thing in that message that really stood out to me for prayer was the difference between just a, a, a scripted prayer and crying out. Mm. And, um, in, in, in the text in, in, in uh, second Chronicles, it tells about the story as well. And it says that the Hezekiah cried out to the Lord. And so as I was looking into that word and doing a word study of the idea of crying out as a war cry is, is fighting our, that's where we get the idea of fighting our battles through prayer. It's not a passive thing. It's very active. And that was very good for me because sometimes prayer for my life is very passive. Like, Oh Lord, you know, if, you know, if it be your will, you know, you know, it's, I don't want to, you know, it's like, no, like, Lord, I'm pleading with heaven. Yeah, I'm yeah. pleading with you. God, please move. If you don't move, then, then, then I'm hopeless. Yeah. You have to show up, please. God, I'm in a situation now. I put, I put myself in a position where you have to move and all for your glory, right? Ultimately, Hezekiah was like, listen, it's all for your glory. You're the one that gets the credit. Mm-hmm. You're the one that's being glorified. That's why I want you to move. Please, Lord, we're, we're, we're begging you. We're crying out. And that was, that was big for me as I kind of navigated that. Yeah. 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 Cool. So there's, I'm, I'm trying to decide if we want to go, I, th- I think we do want to, want to pick up one more piece. Yeah. Okay. So there was another, there was another aspect to mm-hmm. your, to your mm-hmm. message where, where you were talking about, you were comparing the sort of the good mm-hmm. Kings who were, uh, or no, no, it was, it was in, um, the king of Assyria, he was talking about all these other mm-hmm. places who trusted in their yeah, gods yeah. and yet they got bulldozed. And so he's saying to Hezekiah, like, what, what makes you special? Like, you think your God yeah. is going to save you? Yeah. All these idols, they're worthless. And I, I'm pretty sure that's, that's where you were leaning this point out of, but it was the point of like, like when you trust in idols, it doesn't go well. Yeah. Ultimately that yeah. was kind of the, mm-hmm. the truth that you were getting mm-hmm. at. And that reminded me of something that actually John Jacobs was talking about in his sermon, which yeah. is if you if you heard his sermon, I'll link both of them in the description so people can have easy access. But he had like this wooden box with him, his whole sermon, and it was a representation of the like the human heart mm-hmm. or the place you know where you treasure things. Yeah. And so he was talking about Mary who treasured the words of Jesus in mm-hmm. her heart. Mm-hmm. So she treasured all these things in her heart. Um, and he made a big deal about uh, what we treasure yeah. and, and that we treasure things and all that sort of thing. And one of my questions that that whole conversation prompted in me was, man, are there anything that that we've put in our treasure box mm-hmm. that's that shouldn't be there? Mm. Right. Because ultimately we want to we want to treasure God in all things yeah. and above all things. But are there things that we've put in the in our heart that we've treasured mm-hmm. that's that that are leading to patterns mm-hmm. of brokenness in our lives, mm-hmm. which is just another way of talking about idols. Yeah. And so I, I yeah. saw that as I was listening to your sermon, I was like, oh, this that's a, such a cool connecting point. Mm-hmm. So, can you unpack for us, like, as you obviously you're you're newish to the area, and maybe we don't even need to talk specifically about Northeast Ohio, but like, what are what are things that you see Christians putting in their treasure box that are causing brokenness? Yeah. Uh, I think 
I think idols are, are, are good things that we make God things. We make mm. like little gods in our life. And so often I think the things that we treasure hold to, so tightly to are at face value. They're good and they can be used for good things. Yeah. It's when they become more in our hearts that it becomes an issue. So for example, families, you know, we, we, we're just done with the parenting series and, and thinking about like, what's the talk, what one way, one, uh, attribute of a toxic parent is living vicariously through their kid, putting sure, stock yeah. in the kid's success for our success. Our kids are amazing at face value, but if, if their success becomes our idol where I'm living so they're successful, mm-hmm. that, that's an idol. Our, our value family time. So family time, man, that's a great thing. But if but if you live every moment of every day to only for the next time our family is going to be all together and only for the next family conversation and all these things. And that's where identity in, is in as a family man or, or, or a, a mom who cooks for family or, you know, all these things we find our identity in that that's not our identity. Right. And, um, you know, Jim highlighted on that a couple of weeks ago about our identity isn't our role, but, but, right. but we, but we view it that way. And so if these, these good things become like little gods in our life. Uh, hobbies are an example. Now, I mentioned this. I love backpacking. I love hunting. Oh, yeah. I love all things outdoors. <laughs> like I'm, I'm an outdoors guy, man. I feel like my my outfit I'm always wearing is like, is he in the woods or not? Like I'm always like, <laughs> I could be in the woods any minute. Like that's kind of how I dress. And um, except I wear skinny jeans, which I get harassed about all the time. But nonetheless, <laughs> nonetheless, they say the skinnier your jeans, the deeper your theology. That's what they tell me. Who, so, who's who? Who says that? It says that in uh, in Third Kings. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was Second Opinions. Yeah, Second Opinions. Yeah, yep. Yep. <laughs> that's great. Oh man! Um, for um, the record, uh, we were sitting next to each other at a staff meeting today. And we were we're wearing almost the exact yeah. same outfit, and so that people were commenting, "Are are they are you guys going hunting after yeah, this?" Yeah, that's, right. that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyways, my hobbies, which I love, they uh, they can become a place of escape for me, or something I live sure. for. They they consume my mind and becomes an idol. Mm-hmm. So I think when I think of the things we treasure, the things we treasure are so good, but there has to be a, a held in, in tandem with like, if God were remove these from me, I would be okay. Mm-hmm. Because I'm rooted in Christ, and and do I want him to take those things? Of course not. Would it be would I be sad? Of course, but my identity is not is is not bought up. I wouldn't feel like I'm dying. A part of me is dying because something is gone. If, if that's true, then and maybe we need to reevaluate. Mm. Is that an idol? Are we, are we putting too much stock in that? Yeah. That if God would remove those things from us, you know, man, that's okay. So that's pertinent language to me because. Like as a part of my story, when I was in high school, mm-hmm. I found out about a heart condition that I have yeah. that um, for a time, I believed it was going to mean that I couldn't play football anymore, which as an adult looking back, I'm like, hey, man, maybe that was not that big of a deal. But at the time, like I really grieved that. Yeah. And I I mean, I was working out like six, six days a week, mm-hmm. loved sports, mm-hmm. loved being mm-hmm. in shape, loved pounding weight. You know, I I just, I really felt healthy doing all that stuff. And I was, you know, at a Christian school, my coaches were great mentors and role models for me. So it was like, it was a really, it was a good thing, I think. Mm -hmm. And, and so like to have that, uh, taken away or diminished Mm -hmm. was like a little bit of a moment of crisis for me. And so I, and I, and I've had a conversation recently with people who have similar things going on where it feels like so much is stripped away. Yeah. And, um, that's, 
it's hard. Yeah. It's oh, hard. It's hard. Um, but I, I mean, I guess, all, yeah. I mean, all sin is idolatry boiled down. Mm-hmm. All sin is putting ourselves or something in the place or mm-hmm. in, in, in God, you know, so all sin can be boiled down to like, who's the king on my throne? Is it King me on the throne of my heart or is it King Jesus? Mm. Am I putting, what am I putting ahead of God? What am I, what, what am I devoting my time, my thought life, my worship to? So all sin in a nutshell is, is rooted in pride or rooted in, in something that, that, that you're replacing God yeah. in that, that thing. So, you know, I think that's a much broad, I mean, idolatry is such a huge topic and it's an amazing topic like right. studying that. Um, but yeah, I think it's a great connection to the treasure box of it's important to treasure things. I, I think that's so important to have those, that faith bank that we're building. Yeah. Those things that we treasure, we hold on to and things, but we have to hold those in, 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 in an understanding that they have, they, they, they are nothing compared to my savior, Jesus Christ. Mm. And they're nothing compared to the life I have in him. And they might be a part of that, that, that picture, but if God were to remove them, then so be it. So be it. Because my, my allegiance is to Christ alone. Absolutely. Well, man, may that be true of us like personally, but also of our church. Like may we be a people who are, who are, building into ourselves like a needfulness for prayer right. and, a, and a pattern of coming before God mm-hmm. and a pattern of putting him back on the mm-hmm. throne of our hearts mm-hmm. and keeping him there. That's right. Prayer is so integral to all that. And so thanks so much for just the, the way that God is moving in you and the way that you're allowing the text to speak through your personality to your congregation. I mean, it's, it's, it's so fun for me to get to watch from like a little bit of a distance yeah, and I appreciate then to get to have a conversation with you. Yeah, it's good. Um, Hey, if you're, if you're joining us and you uh, are enjoying this conversation, would you do us a favor and just leave us like a little, little five-star review, Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) five-star review for Charlie. Come on folks. Uh, It's, it helps us bring other people into the conversation. Uh, Honestly, it does. Mm -hmm. And so uh, do that. And then if you want to join in the conversation as you're listening to sermons or as you're, as you're participating in the, in the life of the church at open door, Email us your questions at podcast at opendoor.tv. Mm-hmm. I, I look forward to the day and I long for the day when we can have a podcast where we're just doing Q&A from, from you guys. And so uh, send in your questions. We'd love to just hear where you guys are at and, and continue that conversation with you. But until then, we will sign off. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the Open Door Cutting Room Floor Podcast. But don't let the conversation end here. Find a group where you can deepen your roots at connect.opendoor.tv. And don't forget to submit your questions to podcast.opendoor.tv. Have a great week, and we'll see you Sunday.